welcome to Carmel Presbyterian Church's podcast channel. Open up a Bible or just listen in. We hope this week's message is a blessing to you. Well, that is our prayer this morning as we gather together and worship. You know, our new mission statement is really a restatement of the, the great commission to go and make disciples and the great commandment to love God and love others. And we say this way, we glorify God and we make disciples by connecting people to Christ, which is CPC, through small acts of great love every day. You know, Mother's Day reminds all of us of all the million small acts of great love that so many moms do in the name of Jesus. And so we're so glad to have you with us, moms in person, moms at home as well. Uh, We know this is a special day for you. We, We pray that you would be blessed and that God would fill you up and overflowing. You know, spoken with families with school-aged kids in particular this past year, they've had the most challenging years. Isn't that true? The most challenging year. And for all of you surrogate parents, right? Many of you got roped into parenting and homeschooling for the first time. And early in the lockdown, I saw this posted on a Facebook uh, post by a parent who had kids at home. I think for the first time, my family, we've been homeschooling for many years. So this was uh, not quite as unusual years for many other parents that we know. Uh, But one, uh, I think it was a mom posted this on Facebook, said, homeschooling is going well. Two students suspended for fighting today, and one teacher fired for drinking on the job. So that's for some of us. Maybe you posted that. Um, But to all those parents and grandparents and surrogate parents who became homeschoolers by default this past year, you need to give yourselves a hand, give yourselves a break, uh, and take an extra vacation this year somewhere, and just know uh, the Lord is with you. Now, my wife, Katie, she homeschools. Actually, my two daughters, one other boy joins us as well for the work they do um, every day, and I get to hear them every day talk about sowing good things into their lives. And I hear specifically my wife teach them this oft-quoted saying. You probably have heard this. Sow a thought, reap an action. Sow an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. And so, friends, as we will learn today from God's word, the little things matter. Jesus said himself, Luke 16, 10, if you're faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you will be dishonest with greater responsibilities that God will give you. Luke 16, 10. You see, God wants to entrust you with little things to see if you'll be faithful because he wants to see if you'll be honest with greater responsibilities. You know, everyone who goes in the ministry, I could say this for many of my friends and peers, we go in the ministry with these big dreams, you know, big dreams. We're going to do big things for God. We're going to preach to thousands. We're going to win the lost. We're going to bring revival. What if God wants to see if I'll be faithful with little things first before he'll give big things? What if he is waiting to see if you'll be faithful with little things? behind-the-scenes little things? What if God is looking to see if we'll be faithful? Would you say that with me? Faithful. What if that's what God is looking for, faithfulness and the small things before he'll even present us the possibility of a bigger thing? See, the Bible says we are to seek to walk in the love of Jesus. We want to become great, but the path to greatness we'll see in the way of Jesus 
is through the small things. And we'll see in today's text to be sacrificial like Jesus, to show love like Jesus. We'll see it's the little things done with the great love of God modeled by Christ and flowing in us and through us by the Holy Spirit. That's the path that we are to take. And so we're going to take a look at Ephesians 5, 1 to 2, and we're going to see that Christ's love is giving and fragrant and sacrificial. If uh, you would please join me in a prayer, and then we will dig into God's word. Let's pray. God, we are believing that you're with us today. Would you teach us your word that we might live it in faithfulness this week? We thank you, Jesus, for your presence. In your name we pray. Amen. If you're able, would you stand for the reading of God's word? It is our tradition. It's a way that we can recognize God's presence as we honor him and his word. This is Ephesians 5, 1 to 2. This is from the Apostle Paul, where he says this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. You guys can have a seat. You know, when we see this call to be imitators of God and his love in verse 1, what we'll see is Paul, he shifts in verse 2 to talk about the imitation of Christ and his love. It's a purposeful shift, I think, that we'll see in a moment. Now, this form of the word agape, which means unconditional love, it occurs three times in these two verses as the word beloved, which is agapatos, love, which is agape, and love, which is agapeo. Now, those three forms of love becomes a theme of Paul's short section here. And he talks about Christ's love showing three aspects. And the first one is it's giving. Christ's love is giving. That Jesus gives himself. Now, in John 3.16, we have the gospel writer describe God's love like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So God the Father's the giver. And what Paul is doing in this section is emphasizing that, yes, God the Father's a giver, and so is the son who chose to give himself. It is not just the Father who's giving in love. Jesus himself is giving himself in love. And so that means this, that Jesus not only had to come to save us, he wanted to come. He gave himself. He chose this path out of love. And when you give your life to Jesus, you will get back infinitely more than you ever gave to him. You will get Time and time again, pouring over and over in your life the blessings when you give yourself to the one who gave himself for you first, you'll get back infinitely more. What a deal. Isn't that great? And then Jesus is also not only giving, Paul says he's a fragrant offering. What Paul does using this word, he appeals to our senses when he describes Jesus' Jesus's agape love as fragrant, which is a word euodia. Now, certainly his readers or his hearers, because Paul wrote this letter as Paul being, probably being read to the church in Ephesus, that they were hearing this word fragrant offering, and it reminded them, for some of them, of their Jewish worship and the fragrant smells from 
that worship, but also for some, those who came out of their pagan backgrounds, it may have reminded them as well as their pagan worship before they gave their life to Christ. The smells. And so what Paul is doing, he's saying the beautiful fragrance of the selfless love of Jesus, Jesus should stir our souls, that it should stir our senses, yes, our sight, and yes, our mind, our hearts, but even our smell, the sense the love of God. Now, recall also that Paul, in a different letter, in 2 Corinthians 2.15, says that we believers, we followers of Jesus, we are the aroma, the iodia of Christ, that you give off the fragrance of God's love. And so as we go about our everyday lives, we are to give off the scent of God's love, the scent of God's truth. And here's the thing that Paul says in 2 Corinthians, that some are going to get that scent from you, and they're going to put their faith in Christ. But others are going to get that scent, that fragrance of Christ through you, and they are going to turn away from Christ. And so here's the thing. It is not up to you to get anyone saved. Your job is to be faithful, to give off the fragrance of God's love. Your job is to be the aroma of Christ throughout your day, whatever your day looks like. That's your job. It's to be faithful because every little moment matters. Thirdly, Paul describes Christ's love as not only giving and fragrant, but sacrificial. And it reminds us of Romans 12, 1, where Paul says to that church in Rome, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. There's that word. So don't think, though, when you hear that, the only way to show Christ's love is to do something big like miracles, that if you're going to imitate God, you got to do big things. If you're going to imitate Jesus, I got to do big things. I got to preach to thousands. I have to show miracles if I'm going to honor God. No, what we're going to see is that Jesus himself honored and called us to the little things, small acts of great love that make a difference in the kingdom. Ephesians 5, 2, Paul says to walk in love as Christ loved us. So we ask ourselves, how did Christ show us how to love others? What was he teaching and what was he demonstrating to us? Well, he said, Jesus, in his own words, he said to sow seeds. He said that in Matthew 13. And to trust God for the growth. And then he says that he notices, and from Mark 12, the widow's pennies that she offered. Jesus took notice of pennies, because he looked at the heart. Jesus said to give a cup of cold water to the little ones in Matthew 10. And Jesus values faith as tiny as a mustard seed. He said that in Matthew 17. And so what I want you to hear is that Jesus brought a revolution, not by gathering large crowds, even though he did, but by investing in a few. That Peter, James, and John and the early disciples turned into 120 ordinary believers who ended up changing the world. See, it's the little things that matter. What Paul says is if we want to be part of this revolution of Jesus, it began with Jesus and it's going to continue with you by simply walking in love, as Paul says. And we can't forget that this revolution of small things done with the big love of God begins with you first knowing that you are loved. 
We take a look at verse one again. Paul says, as beloved children walk in love. He tells you who you are before he tells you what to do. Beloved children, that's who you are, walk in love. You see, growing as a follower of Jesus is all about first knowing you're a beloved child of God, that you are dearly loved by the Father, and then allowing that love to fill you up and to flow through you in your everyday life. It begins with that. Brennan Manning says this, you will trust God to the degree that you know you are loved by him. Let that sink in. Your trust will be in direct proportion to you knowing that you are a child of God. So let me ask you, do you know that he looks upon you right now with eyes of love? I don't know how you think of God the Father. I'm not sure how you think of this divine being or Jesus, but I want you to imagine Jesus is here. In fact, the Bible talks about where two or three gather in his name. Jesus says, there I am amongst you. So you imagine Jesus looking upon you and shocker of all shockers, smiling at you. He's glad you're here. He's glad you're here at home, watching, worshiping, that you would know that you are loved by him. Do you know that he knows your pain, your scars, your faults, and he still loves you? He knows every detail, and he still has love for you. Oh, he's a good God. That he loves you so much that he doesn't want you stuck in your sin. That's how God loves us. And that he loves you too much to leave you unchanged. Yes, he's going to deal with our sin, but he looks at you with love. And so children of God, those who have put their faith in Jesus, don't forget to rest in his love. You want God to flow through your life? You want to impact your world? You have to know you are a beloved child of God. You know, when Paul wrote to the church in Rome, you know, when we take a look at uh, the book of Romans, we love this big, uh, deep theological book. He was writing to probably just 100 people at the seat of the Roman Empire. And it took these followers of Jesus not just those hundreds, but the scattered Christians in Ephesus and Philippi and Galatia and through all the empire, these little scattering of believers in just 300 years, they overtook the entire empire. This insignificant group of ragtag followers were empowered by the spirit in their daily lives. And so friends, listen to this. Your job isn't to be successful or even fruitful. Your job is simply to be faithful with the little things. Faithfully looking at Jesus, faithfully walking with him. See, fruitfulness comes by faithfully walking with Jesus, paying attention to the little things so that his life can flow into you and through you to others in your everyday stuff. You see, when Paul tells us to imitate God in Ephesians 5 and to walk in the agape love of Jesus, the invitation is not for you to simply ask what would Jesus do in this or that situation. It is that, 
but it's more. I like actually how Dallas Willard put it. He says this, specifically that you should be learning from Jesus how to lead your life as he would lead your life if he were you. The thing that we should be asking God is, Jesus, help me to lead my life as if you would lead my life if you were me. Meaning, your body, your makeup, your accent, your background, right now in your life, with all your limitations, Jesus, show me how to live my life if you were me living this life. Teach me how to be faithful. See, the spirit of Jesus lives in you, and you can ask God to guide you to live as Jesus would live if he were you in this place in this time. You see, the great commission to make disciples and the great commandment to love God and love others are truly great, yet it involves ordinary people doing ordinary things under the extraordinary authority of an extraordinary Savior. God will use your little life as we remain faithful. See, God makes the ordinary into something of extraordinary significance because with Jesus as our source, small acts of great love can have an eternal impact. Your finite self is being invited into eternally significant mission. Dallas Willard actually was speaking some years ago at a church to a wonderfully educated crowd like this. And in walked a homeless man that the host knew personally who'd come to the church from time to time. And the host knew that this man didn't always have the right kinds of conversations, if you get the idea. And, and so the host got a little nervous. And during the Q&A time with Dallas Willard, he's, kind of, he's a late famous philosopher and writer. The homeless man raises his hand and Dallas calls on him. The host is getting nervous, right? Well, what's going to happen? And the man kind of fumbled out some kind of question off topic, but, and he was worried, what would happen? Dallas didn't miss a beat. He looked straight at the man, and he, with kindness and with respect, answered his question. And the man sat down. Something in Dallas knew that he was looking at the image of God. He doesn't know if that man knew Christ or not, but he knows that when you walk around this world and see someone living and breathing, they are made in the image of God. And that's what he saw. And he used his words, this very learned man with multiple PhDs, I believe. He used it to to show God's love. You know, Proverbs 18, 21 says this, that death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruits. And so friends, I want you to think about using your words this week to build people up in the ways of Christ instead of tearing them down. You want to talk about a small act of great love? Use your tongue, your words to build up instead of tearing down. See, all around us are people made in the image of God, most of whom don't know it yet. Guess what you get the great privilege of doing this week? Letting people know by the way you treat them and not just speak to them, you listen to them, you walk with them. 
You play with them. You work with them. You, you spend time with them. You're faithful. See, the small stuff matters to God, and what you do this week matters as well. As people who know they're deeply loved by God, let's walk in the ways of Jesus' love, giving, fragrant, sacrificial. Now, as we share this new mission statement, I want to wrap up with two things that we're not saying, just so there's no confusion. What we're not saying when we say small acts of great love, first is this. We're not saying that our actions are what gets people saved. Absolutely not. See, we become God's beloved children by God's initiative alone. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. You know, the word for works is ergon, and Jesus used the same word in John 6, 28 when he was asked, what must we do to be doing the works, the ergon of God? And Jesus answered them, this is the work, the ergon of God, that you believe in whom he has sent. And so, yes, we must choose to put our faith in Christ, but even faith itself is a gift from God. Even that is not a result of your work or effort. It's not our actions that get anyone saved. We're saved by grace through faith. And so there is nothing we're saying that you are earning your way into God's favor by small acts of great love. It's by grace. Second thing we're not saying. The source of great love is not me. It's God. It's God's love, not our love. See, we are the ones sharing love, but the only love that counts in the big picture is God's love. And when we are followers of Christ, God's love comes into us, and we have all the potential as we remain faithful for God's love to join us in pouring through us to others. It's God's love that makes the impact. You see, since God is eternal, the only things that last must emanate from the one who never ceases. Think about that. He is the only perfect, eternal one. And so if it is just our love, just our human love, good-hearted, well-intentioned, but finite love, then it doesn't come with the power of God that lasts into eternity. We must connect our well-intentioned, good love with the love of God for it to have lasting, eternal impact. Does that make sense? And what a great privilege we're invited into. It's like the old story of this couple. Imagine that old scene of a married couple. They've been married for some years, and they're sitting at the breakfast nook. And remember those things called newspapers, right? And the husband, that old, uh, old picture of the husband reading a newspaper. and Maybe the wife is there and getting another cup of coffee. And imagine the scene. The wife says, honey, I'm upset. You never say you love me anymore. And the husband behind his paper says this. What do you mean? I told you I loved you when we got married, and if I change my mind, I'll let you know. (laughs) Even in the best marriages, even in the best relationships, love fades, but not God's. Even in the most perfect father-son relationship, love fades. Even in the most picturesque, Uh, Family, love fades, but not with God. God's love is the only love that will last forever. 
Small acts of great love points to a gracious God of love who initiates love and mercy towards us. And so in response to God's love in us, we allow God's perfect and eternal love to overflow in us and then to others. Because small acts of great love matter. When God's in you and we're faithful, he'll use the small things to touch people's lives. You know, back when I was a college pastor, this is back in L.A., I was at a church called Bel Air Presbyterian Church. The church is still there. And I helped with a USC Bible study that started with just three people. Now, for those of you who don't know me, I went to UCLA. So this was a big deal for me to go to the USC campus. I remember thinking that I didn't have a lot of confidence that God could do anything good on the USC campus. And I was asking him, Lord, what good could come from Nazareth, Lord? What good could come from there? Well, that SC ministry grew from a few people to 50 people in just a couple years. The Lord's hand was just on it. Now, don't be too impressed because my wife, Katie, uh, actually took over the Bible study after me, and it grew to 100 people, okay? But the significant ministry was growing there, and during that season of ministry, a young man who wasn't a believer named Drew came to the Bible study. Now, I want you to keep in mind, someone invited him. Someone took the small step of reaching out to him. Someone took the small step of after he came, uh, welcoming him. And then inviting him back. Someone took the small step probably to pray for him. Someone took a small step to maybe host that Bible study and answer his questions. And someone took the small step to befriend him. And sometime later, through the faithfulness of many, many, many small steps done with the love of God, Drew became a Christian and gave his life to Jesus. And Drew grew in his faith, and someone took the small step of meeting with him, and, and he started growing in his faith. He started volunteering for the youth group at, at Bel Air Presbyterian, and he grew as a leader so much that a neighboring church snagged him, right? And he became their youth pastor. And eventually, he became a teaching pastor of that church. And then six years ago, Drew Sams was called back to the church where he found faith at Bel Air Presbyterian to become the senior pastor, where he's faithfully serving now. Friends, you never know what your small act of great love done in the name of Jesus will do. Most of us will never see the fruit of the seeds that we plant. Oh, but God sees. God knows. Don't underestimate small acts of great love done in faithfulness. See, Every day, there are small acts of faithfulness that God is nudging you toward, and most of the time, we'll never know what effects are. See, but God is nudging. God is watching. God is speaking. And so I'm asking you, are you listening? He's nudging us to be faithful. And so we hear Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 again. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Paul isn't talking about grand, big gestures, but everyday faithfulness. See, because beloved children know they are loved by Jesus, not out of what they do. They're simply loved because of who they are. And so walk with Jesus Dear children, be faithful. 
Do small acts of God's great love every day. So let me ask you, what is a small act of faithfulness you can take this week? I got a text message from our friend Martha Henry and Amy Spencer, who helps run the food pantry from our church. We got this wonderful text. I'm going to put a picture on the screen of the food pantry. And Martha wanted to give us this report this week. Because so many of you have been faithfully, you know, dropping off a can of this or a bag of rice. You go over there and you help, you help nail some things together because the shelves are kind of tilting over or you're praying for people and you help sort things. Thank you for your small acts of great love. And Martha texted this to me and Amy this week. She said this, a gentleman who appears to be homeless, but he didn't come to get food. He said he is on his way to social services and he picked out a book from the bookhouse, and the best thing is he took a copy of the Daily Bread devotional. It's all about love, God's love. God is so faithful. And Martha was just celebrating God's amazing, mysterious ways that a food pantry and a free little library might offer a word of hope to an image bearer of God whom name we don't know, but God knows. God sees him right now. God sees our, friend in, our friends in India right now, these families that are suffering. God sees the, the, the gospel workers who are ready to, to go and share the gospel right now through the streets of India, but they need help. They need support. You might be a part of a small act of great love that will share the life-changing, eternal love of God for someone. Don't underestimate what you being faithful, the impact it might have on someone for eternity. Would you pray with me? God, we know we can't imagine all the different things that you are doing behind the scenes, the invisible things that we cannot see, but you see them. And so, Lord, search our hearts. Even as we continue to worship and we sing these songs, Lord, search our hearts. Or may we be people who just offer these words to you as our worship, words of prayers that our little lives could do something that matters for the kingdom. Lord, thank you for your promise. When we walk in your love, when we be, are being faithful to your word and to your spirit, to your nudges, Lord, you say we don't even have to worry about it. Your job is to produce fruit. Your job, not ours, is for someone to get saved. But thank you for inviting us in to this great work of your kingdom. May you find us faithful, Lord, through whatever small act, a step of faith we take this week, whether in word or in giving or in action or just listening to someone who's hurting this week. May you find us faithful by the power of your spirit, Lord. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Carmel Presbyterian Church, visit our website at www.carmelpres.org or any of our social media pages. Have a blessed rest of your week.